4: Tuesday morning the 11th of December Good morning with much debate and discussion from now till 11am This is Michael Reid on LMFM As you know the British government has deferred a Commons vote on the Brexit withdrawal agreement The vote should have been taken uh, tonight. Yesterday the Prime Minister faced humiliation telling MPs that they would not be given a chance to vote apparently because the outcome of that vote would be all the more humiliating given the scale of the expected defeat Theresa May will now meet with other European leaders hoping to improve on the deal but the EU has been clear this deal will not be renegotiated This has resulted in preparations intensifying here across Europe and in London for a no-deal Brexit and the return to a hard border on the island of Ireland Concern is mounting and many are hoping against hope that there will be a deal but is this a case of be careful what you wish for? Theresa May might have given nationalists here the impression that a no-deal Brexit could actually be the best possible outcome because she warned MPs in the House of Commons yesterday that a no-deal exit could result in a united Ireland.
5: I out in my speech opening the debate last week the reasons why the backstop is a necessary guarantee to the people of Northern Ireland... And why, whatever future relationship you want, there is no deal available that does not include the backstop. Behind all those arguments are some inescapable facts: the fact that Northern Ireland shares a land border with another sovereign state; the fact, the fact that the hard-won peace; the fact that the hard-won peace that has been built in Northern Ireland over the last two decades has been built around a seamless border and the fact that Brexit will create a wholly new situation on the 30th of March the Northern Ireland-Ireland border will for the first time become the external frontier of the European Union's Single Market and Customs Union the challenge the challenge this poses must be met Not with rhetoric, but with real and workable solutions. Businesses operate across that border. People live their lives crossing and recrossing it every day. I've been there and spoken to some of those people. They do not want their everyday lives to change as a result of the decision we have taken. They do not want a return to our hard border. And if this House cares about preserving our union... It must listen to those people, because our union will only endure with their consent.
4: Theresa May in the House of Commons yesterday. Matt Carthy, Sinn Féin MEP, is on the line with us uh, this morning. I, I gather it's not too often that you uh, agree with Mrs May. Did you agree with her yesterday?
6: Well, I think in relation to the North, she was stating, the blindingly obvious, to be quite frank about it.
4: <coughs> that, so that, um, that a, a, a no-deal would result in a united Ireland?
6: well i think the brexit process has quite clearly made a united ireland more more likely what we have said as a party that is obviously very committed to delivering a united ireland that notwithstanding that fact we want a united ireland to happen in a managed Um, and um, agreed manner. But do
4: you agree agree with her on that point uh, that uh, a a no-deal exit will not preserve the Union, in other words, will result in a united Ireland by default, albeit?
6: My belief is that there will be a united Ireland in the not-too-distant future. My belief is that in the event of a no-deal Brexit scenario, that that will happen much quicker than we anticipate. Um, so, yes, I agree that should we have a situation where there is any attempt to put in place a physical manifestation of a border, um, put in place border controls, the absolutely undoubted economic, political and social um, damage that that would cause, okay. that absolutely, yes, people would be um, convinced to vote for United Ireland even quicker than I believe they will be anyway. I think. Brexit, um, and this is the entire lesson that we've learned from this entire Brexit shambolic process that the British government have been engaged in, um, it's a lesson that some of us already knew but it's that British governments do not give a damn about any part of Ireland, including the part that they hold jurisdiction over and I think evidence of that could be seen from the comments of a Tory M- MP last week that Britain should threaten Ireland with food shortages mm. you know, another attempt to starve us once again. um, So I think all of that has resonated with people in the north who up until this point may not have been um, eager, to put it that way, to even have a discussion around a United Ireland that's Clear that there are people mm. who are now having the discussion as to what union they would prefer to be. But, in but given your
4: eagerness to see, but given your eagerness to see Ireland reunited and uh, to live to see a united Ireland uh, again, I, I gather from what you're saying this morning is uh, that you're hoping that there will be a no deal exit for the United Kingdom.
6: No, absolutely not. Because notwithstanding what I've said, Do- that um, a no deal Brexit would make a uh, united Ireland happen. Um, at a quicker um, um, space, it would happen in the context of absolute turmoil. And and that is not how I want to see a United Ireland deliver. That's why we have been arguing and calling on the Irish government to put in place a process whereby we actually plan for a United Ireland right now, where we put in place the constitutional, the political, the economic framework by which um, a United Ireland will not only be achieved, but what it will look like in terms of a transition period and how it will be delivered, we don't want to make the same mistake that the Tory brexiteers um, made, which is looking for something mm. in an abstract sense for decades and not having a clue of what it would look like the day after people voted for it. That's odd,
4: though, to put isn't it? The planning
6: it? in place. So that is why, mm. um, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a father of young children. I know that a no deal Brexit will be bad for them. It will be bad for the rest of my community. It'll be bad mm. for all of these counties. It'll be bad for our entire. That's very country. odd, so, though,
4: isn't it? Really, like I mean, when you think about. <laughs> The fact that you don't want what would make uh, United Ireland come about quickest.
6: But, but I want United Ireland to be a success. The reason I want to see United Ireland is because partition has failed. Um, economically, politically and socially, I didn't need Brexit to convince me that a United Ireland was in the best interest of the people of Ireland. What Brexit has done has catalysted that debate though and people are now having that conversation. I believe that Brexit combined with demographic changes and just combined with mm. all the social progress that we've seen over the past number of years means that a united Ireland is now inevitable. What I want to see happen is that that united Ireland is brought about in a managed and planned way so that it is the but if you believe, I know it can be.
4: If you believe a, a, a no deal exit from the European Union for the United Kingdom will result in a united Ireland and will result in a united Ireland quicker than any other means, well why not let them get on with it and prepare for you United Ireland.
6: Well, that's what we've been doing and that's what...
4: No, but you just said you don't want a no-deal exit.
6: Oh, absolutely not, because a no-deal Brexit, any Brexit, by the way, will be bad for Ireland. Make no mistake about it, even if Ireland wasn't partitioned, Brexit would be bad for us. Britain will remain our biggest trading partner. It stands between us and the rest of Europe. So quite clearly, it would be our preference that Britain would remain within the EU. They've made a decision, the people of England and Wales have made a decision to leave the EU. As we've been saying consistently since the beginning of this process, the people of the north of Ireland made a different decision. They decided, <coughs> excuse me again, mm. they decided to vote in favour of remaining within the European Union and that decision, above all, must be respected and implemented. So, um, as far as I'm concerned, absolutely we are moving towards a united Ireland. Absolutely we will be seeking the support of the But Europe you don't
4: wish to expedite north. that.
6: And, I don't want it to happen in a situation whereby it's marred with economic turmoil, which is what a no-deal Brexit will mean. So, absolutely, we need to be prepared for a no-deal Brexit scenario. One of the aspects of the preparations for that no-deal scenario will be the expedition of... uh,
4: But surely you'd uh, have a a negotiated withdrawal, wouldn't you?
6: Oh, absolutely. But mm. it would be more difficult in the context of a no-deal Brexit to have that type of negotiated withdrawal and negotiated process. Because, as I say, you would be dealing with it in the context of absolute turmoil that would be brought about. So the backstop is the way in which we can actually have a discussion in relation to the constitutional status in mm. the court. And that,
4: and that would, and would slow down, down the Friday prospect agreement. of a united Ireland.
6: But it would also mean, in my view, that a united Ireland would be the success that I believe it can be. And Because the reason I want a united Ireland isn't simply for some ret- uh, you know, rhetorical um, dream of mm. an Irish Republic, although that's absolutely what my ambition but is. But it would
4: preserve but the, the why I,
6: but the reason why I want to see a united Ireland is because mm. I believe um, fundamentally that it would be in the best interest of all the people of Ireland. So when a united Ireland comes about, I want it to happen in a way that we can actually maximise the benefits that the United Ireland will bring. So I'm willing. Okay. So you to agree with three years May. as opposed to one year in order to bring that about, if that means that it is more likely to be a success. And that is why Sinn Féin, rather than simply you antagonising and advocating for some form of a no mm. deal scenario, have actually been very pragmatic and putting forward. We were the first party, remember, to put forward this proposal for a special status for the North. When we did that, Fianna Fail and Fianna Gael told us we were deluded and um, that we. Were being uh, that we weren't living in the real world. Thankfully, they have come on board to a degree. The European Union position is now essentially um, our position, not to the full extent that we would like, because, of course, the backstop doesn't deal with all of the the problem mm. that Brexit pre- presents. But it does go towards some way to... But you, and, and but you the agree with Theresa
4: Brexit May is. when she says a hard border will not preserve the Union, in other words, will lead to a united Ireland. Do you agree with her when she says a backstop will preserve the Union?
6: No, what I believe is that um, absolutely a no-deal scenario will, um, will hasten the referendum on Irish unity and make it more likely to happen quicker. What I believe the, a backstop will do is allow us to have a discussion in relation to a united Ireland um, in a manner in which allows us to plan but, but, and manage that process. Because, But, but you know then, that a backstop will
4: give the people of Northern Ireland their cake and they'll be able to eat it too. Why would they want a united Ireland then? The point that Mrs May was making in the House of Commons yesterday is that it'll make life impossible to live in Northern Ireland if there's a hard border.
6: I believe that the arguments in favour of Irish unity don't require economic turmoil in order to be uh, to secure the support of the majority of the people North and South. I believe they're that strong in terms of the economic benefits. But there'll be a war. Political benefits. There'll be a, a war.
4: I mean, benefits. you need something to justify the war, don't you?
6: Uh, no, I don't believe there would be a of war. Of course there'll
4: be a war. There'll uh, be a yeah, war of, uh, what, to whatever degree there'll be a war, there'll be violence anyway. There's no doubt about that.
6: Well, well what, we, what we agreed in 1998 in terms of the Good Friday Agreement mm. was the mechanism by which to deliver a united Ireland. And it's very simple. What we need yes. to do as, and I'm speaking as somebody who wants to see a united Ireland, mm. my job is to convince others that a united Ireland makes the most sense for them, their families, their communities, and for our entire country. Okay, I but believe there's... that those arguments are strong enough that we don't actually need to see economic and political turmoil that would come about as a result of a no deal Brexit. But if that's what happens mm. if a no deal Brexit is what happens, then absolutely the discussions in relation to United Ireland will hasten and therefore the onus on all of us. And when I say all all of those Who advocate a position of Irish unity, which Mm. is essentially every single political party in Ireland, with the exception of course of the Unionist parties, what we need to do is come together and map out how it is we will bring it about and how we can make it a success. Unfortunately to date, Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael have refused to even have that conversation.
4: Okay, but there was a war in Northern Ireland Ireland against British rule and that war was waged on behalf of roughly half of the population of Northern Ireland. There is currently a war being waged in Northern Ireland against the position uh, that has been promoted predominantly by Sinn Féin and uh, the nationalist community Uh, and that may be a small number of people or dissidents as they're called now but there is a war because of divided opinion. If we get to a stage where there's a united Ireland undoubtedly there will be some people who will be opposed to it um, will uh, voice that opposition through violent means. Uh, now that could be a small amount of people or that could represent at least half of the population.
6: Michael, the war is over. It's Ended with a settlement called the Good Friday Agreement, which set out very clearly how the constitutional position with regard to the North would be decided, and it would be decided by them. The question
4: has not been Democratic answered Democratic
6: vote. conclusively. I, yes. the, and no,
4: and, and it, the war, as such, is never over until the answer has been questioned, or uh, the question has been answered conclusively.
6: Yes, and what I have been saying, and this is why I've said that I want to see United Ireland happen on a managed and planned basis.
4: And that's why I said there'll be a war of whatever... Degree.
6: No, well, I well, I, just, I don't believe that that would be the, the, the case because I believe that those of us who want to see United Ireland would put in place the mechanisms that are required to ensure that there is maximum political buy-in. It's not to say that mm. people from East Belfast or the people who vote for Gregory Campbell will ever walk into a polling station and vote for a United Ireland. But I, what I do think we can do is put in place the mechanisms and the uh, um, protections that are required to ensure that when they go to vote that they can do so that, with the confidence that they have nothing to fear from the results. So all of that is part of the planning process. And my view, it'll be much easier to manage and plan that process in the, um, in the context mm. of having the backstop in place, having the political and economic protections that the backstop um, the, the backstop, okay. uh, it delivers. But at the same time, make no mistake about it, the backstop is only a mechanism to reduce the damage. But gee, Brexit, any Brexit is going to be bad for Ireland, North and South. But the Prime Minister Absolutely. seems to be going
4: nowhere at the moment.
6: Absolutely not. Um, It is, as I say, absolutely shambolic. It's it's bizarre to watch on. I'm sure um, it will make um, um, interesting and entertaining um, discussions for historians. But for those of us who are faced with the prospect of the no deal scenario and what that could mean for our families and our communities, um, it, it does not make for um, very, um, a, a, a very encouraging watch and I have to say um, there's a clear turmoil in the British political system Theresa May is essentially operating a government that doesn't have a mandate she can't get um, votes through the House of Commons she's mm. now withdrawn votes she's coming back to the European Council who have told her that they will remain resolute in relation to the Irish backstop I hope and I expect them to um, remain firm on that um, so the big questions that we have talked about over the past number of months remain unanswered, and that is where exactly this ball will land. Will it land with a second referendum? It's hard to see that happening. Will it land with a no-deal Brexit scenario? I absolutely hope that won't happen. Um, and Or will this deal um, um, be adopted by the House of Commons? It's also hard to see that happening. So all of those things... Um, are up but it area. has to be one Where of them, it, doesn't
4: it? <coughs> Excuse me. Only st- well, the, mm. only
6: other, the only alternative solution is that the Article 50 process is delayed or postponed. But that in itself creates a whole set mm. of new problems, not least the fact that European elections are planned for May. And if the Article 50 process is extended, that means that, um, that the Br- British seats in the European mm. Parliament will have to be redistributed back from all other states back to, the, um, back to Britain. So there's no scenario that doesn't involve a whole lot of contradictions and difficulties from, from both sides. But from an Irish point of view, I think we have to remain resolute. We need the backstop in place. We need to protect the all-Ireland economy. We want to see a free trade agreement that's as close to what we currently have between Ireland and Europe and Britain. Um, but all of those things are contingent on protections for the unique circumstances arising from the fact that we have a British-imposed border in Ireland that has absolutely been devastating already for the past hundred years in relation to the people of Ireland and we're not going to allow it to become even more devastating. Matt
4: Carthy, thank you very much indeed for joining us uh, this morning. Matt Carthy is Sinn Féin, Member of the European Parliament.
7: Michael Reed
4: on LMFM. Well, as you probably heard, Ireland is uh, the worst performing country in Europe for action on climate change. So this is according to the 2019 Climate Change Performance Index where the 48th out of 56 countries worldwide. And we're joined now by Clina Sharkey, who's policy advisor with Trocra and spokesperson for the Stop Climate Change Coalition. Good morning to you, Clina, and thanks for joining us. Uh, There's a lot of criticism of the Irish government's inaction, uh, but the government was commended uh, for passing the fossil fuel divestment bill. Uh, You've suggested that whilst that is good, it it also proves that uh, policymakers now need to, to do much more if we're to move from laggard to leader.
1: Good morning, Michael. Yes, that's right. Thank you. You um, are we here yesterday to unfortunately hear the the, the latest uh, uh, index report on cli- Ireland's climate change performance and as you say, um, bottom of the pack in Europe. Um, so this is the, the second time and it's not a surprise, but it really has to be the last time. Um, But I suppose um, looking forward, I mean, we're all quite aware at this stage um, that Ireland is lagging far behind in terms of of climate action. And this is in no one's interest, including uh, the people of Ireland. Um, But we know that there there also is a huge opportunity looking ahead uh, to to make that right, to turn things around. Um, And um, the, the minister has said recently that he wants to move Ireland from being a laggard to being a leader, so we are eagerly awaiting, as the Stop Climate Chaos coalition, to, to, to see that happen. So some of the things um, that are on the table that the government can do, uh, I mentioned the fossil fuel divestment bill, which was um, a move that was heralded mm-hmm. yesterday by the, the publishers of the Climate Change Performance Index as a, as a signal that has been has been noted internationally um, as a really positive move by Ireland, um, and that. The, that uh, if this is built on, that this is uh, something that can help Ireland move up the ranks um, uh, over the coming year. So there are a number of um, of uh, possibilities on the table that, that Ireland can can move forward within the next uh, year. So we've seen uh, two bills um, on the table that are currently in, in the Parliament. One is um, a micro-generation bill to support community energy, so to enable communities to engage in the, the energy transition and to benefit from that. Um, uh, another bill that's on the table is uh, called the Climate Emergency Measures Bill, Um, Which is actually a bill to end exploration and extraction licenses for fossil fuels um, off of Ireland's shores. So, very much in line with the logic and rationale behind the fossil fuel divestment bill. Um, That currently has the support of all the opposition parties. Mm. Um, So, we're really hoping that the government would come on board with that bill as well, as it would send an incredibly important signal both in Ireland and internationally that Ireland is committed to this, um, to to climate action, and that it is moving towards uh, a zero carbon. Uh, future for, for Ireland I suppose, and, Tina, and that's the goal for, for everyone to be able to, to get
4: behind. The question is if it has uh, the support of uh, the people and we've seen the resistance uh, to the introduction of uh, carbon tax in this country mm-hmm. and of course that pales into significance when you look at what's happening uh, to uh, Emmanuel Macron's administration and how the people have said look you know whatever about saving the world uh, we want uh, to have money in our pockets uh, to feed our, our- children and so on uh, but uh, if, uh, pe- if if people are to be convinced of reducing emissions and so on well then they have to be convinced uh, that the right thing to do is to pay more for fuel or change our habits
1: yes, I couldn't agree with you more this is a really really important discussion and we've seen a lot of talk about that here in Poland about what's happening in France and it's it's very clear in talking to some of the French colleagues here from civil society that there's a much more nuanced um, situation in France than it's sometimes um Uh, uh, portrayed uh, in the media. So um, it is very much not the case that there's um, a a group of society that are for climate action and a group of society that are against climate action and against the carbon tax. It's much more nuanced than that. As you say, people are accept that there's a, a fundamental problem and that we need to act. Um, but they want to know that action is fair and that they know they want to know that they're going to be able to feed them, their families, keep their homes and get to where they need to, to go. So that's absolutely legitimate. And that's why uh, the, whether, if, it, if it's a carbon tax, and the carbon tax is only one small measure that needs to be, or one significant measure, but it's one measure that needs to be taken am, amongst a uh, multitude. And what's really important is that while things like that are being put in place, we can also see that the government is moving on supporting people to retrofit their homes, moving on helping people to get involved the community energy moving on people and um, being able to um, access um, uh, viable and um, affordable public transport and things like um the, the other bill that I mentioned, that um, to, to end exploration and extraction licences, to, to, to see that that it's not just the public that are asked, being asked to put their hands in their pocket, that the private sector, that uh, the that uh, all the state actors etc. are acting on this. So I, I would agree fundamentally that it can't be seen that it's. Uh, it's um, it's it's people on the ground that have to do the heavy lifting it needs to be very clear that this needs to be a fair transition led by the government supported by the government that people are able to, to engage with but uh, in a, in a meaningful and fair way that's um that's not unrealistic so um i think that's uh i think we can all um uh, take some, some lessons and insights mm. from, from what's been been happening elsewhere and, and ensure that whatever is done in Ireland is, is done in, in a fair and, and participative, consultative way.
4: And whatever um, is done in Ireland uh, will have a, an impact elsewhere and I'm sure it's your work with Trocred that feeds into your thinking and your role with uh, the Stop Climate Change Coalition uh, and uh, the idea that global warming may lead uh, to the extinction of a certain species uh, that we've 12 years uh, to reduce uh, the emissions or we're looking at droughts, floods, famines and more extreme weather events
1: That's just it Michael Um, so we're actually here with a number of our local partner organisations from countries where we work, from Rwanda from Nicaragua, from Malawi um, really calling for this conference to mark a step change in terms of action and ambition on climate change. So, this is the first conference since the publication of the IPCC's latest report, and it was a stark warning um, in terms of the, the, the science, the urgency to act. And as you say, 12 years to really turn that around. And 12 years might seem like a, a long time, but we know that it's actually the decisions that are taken now that will um, decide whether we get the, the policy and the investment flows. Moving in the in the right direction, and we we all know, I mean, we we can see it in Ireland the the, the impacts um, that we can see with with our own eyes mm. taking place over over recent years, and the impact that's having on local um, uh, in communities, on local businesses, on farmers, etc. in Ireland. Mm. Um, and so these these are impacts uh, we've been seeing in the countries where we work um, for more than more than a decade, and those impacts that we can see um, very much are already on the increase in the countries where we work. We know the flooding is a problem in Ireland, particularly for for certain regions and in the likes of uh, Malawi um, at the end of 2015 and a third of the country was declared a national disaster zone as a result of flooding. You just imagine that the the scale of the impacts in the countries where we work are just proportionately greater. They've been hit first and hardest by this problem and that will continue to be the case which is why we're so concerned with the issue and to make sure that there is a step change um, globally um, and in in every country um, uh, on this issue and we're we're a justice based mm. organization we're absolutely Uh, determined that uh, that action at all levels um, nationally and internationally has to be fair. It has to place most vulnerable people at the centre of concern but we need Mm. to act. Action is in all our interests. But uh,
4: how do we bridge uh, the two sides in this argument uh, to make action happen because uh, people don't want other people dying because of flooding in other countries and they don't want to pay two or three cent extra on a, a litre of diesel as the case may be. Politicians might want to do the right thing but they also want to get votes
1: yeah no, that's uh, again a very good question and something particularly why the citizens assembly that took place last year was very was very interesting and um, so at the citizens assembly over two weekends 100 citizens from across Irish society were presented with uh the science um uh with the current impacts in ireland and internationally with prospective impacts in ireland and internationally and they had experts come in and speak about the various things that needed to be done and at the end of that process The citizens voted overwhelmingly for climate change to be put at the centre of national decision making. For all legislation to be climate proofed, so to make sure it was in line with our climate targets. Uh, And also, they voted in favour uh, of, um, in support of an increase in the the carbon tax as as one measure, um, assuming on the the basis that that would be done progressively over time, and also that it would be done fairly. Um, So I suppose suppose from that, um, what I would take away is that if people are enabled to understand the the situation, the the seriousness of the situation, um, and to come together to decide um, what needs to be done, um, then you're more likely to have people uh, understand um, why these things need to be done. But as I said, the carbon tax is one small measure, and it's only to be, it's only to be expected and perfectly reasonable that people do not want to take uh, on another tax if they don't see that the government is putting in place the measures to to make uh, the changes um, uh, that make those kind of uh, that kind of tax uh, feasible. Such as, as as I mentioned, community energy, uh, public transport, um, new jobs in the the renewables um, and sustainability sector, um, uh, the support for retrofitting their homes so that heating bills are lower, and all those types of things. It needs to be, no one measure will do this. It needs to be a whole suite of measures um, that's done and people need to be involved in their um, decision-making. And I suppose that's something that we would really like to see Heading into the elections, is this, that there is an increase in, in debate and dialogue on this issue. So I would encourage all your listeners to, to raise this issue um, uh, when the when the parties come around, uh, looking for their vote, to ask them um, how are how are they going to take climate change seriously? How are they going to ensure um, that action is, is, is fair as well as ambitious uh, in Ireland? Okay. Um, and to, to get to get involved, you know they they have their they have, everyone has the right to have their say um, and to be involved in the transition. That is, as I said, in all our interests.
4: Okay, thank you for joining us uh, this morning on the line from Poland, Klena, and, Clina, okay. uh, and uh, a pleasure to talk to you as well, Klina Sharkey, policy advisor with Trokra and spokesperson for the Stop Climate Change Coalition.
7: Michael, Michael Reed on LMFM. On LMFM.
4: Now, the abortion debate moved uh, to uh, the Senate yesterday with uncertainty about how terminations will be introduced in January of next year, assuming uh, that uh, the passage of uh, the Regulation of Terminations During Pregnancy Bill is uh, completed uh, through the Oireachtas uh, by uh, the end of this week, uh, effectively. And we're joined now by Independent Senator Jared Crockwell. And a very good morning to you, uh, Gerard, and uh, thanks uh, for joining us here on the programme this morning. The Shannon uh, must uh, pass this legislation this week or pro- uh, uh, accept amendments which would have to go back to the doll. So effectively, uh, the clock is ticking on this. Uh, can it be completed? Because there's a lot of amendments to get through.
3: There are a lot of amendments to get through. Um, yes, it will be completed. I mean, the majority of the amendments that are left at committee stage are what we might call grouped amendments. So they will all come in under, um, you know, you'll have five or six amendments discussed uh, at each stage. So I expect by uh, 10 o'clock this evening that the committee stage will have completed. And um, it's my understanding that at the order of business this morning, they're going to move a motion to uh, commence debating on Thursday um, much earlier than we would normally start With a view to it's an open end on Thursday, so we will sit until the report and final stage is complete. So it's my view that the bill will pass by Mm. the uh, end end of the week.
4: All right, but there's still a a lot to do because there were 63 proposed amendments, I think, and 20 of them were grouped together, which leaves 43 to get through.
3: Yeah, the 43 that are left now are grouped. So the 21 that were dealt with yesterday, uh, they were, if you want, the more difficult ones. and the ones that required independent or individual debating time. Uh, but it's my view that the ones that are left will be dealt with, certainly by 10 o'clock this evening. I can't see it. Mm. It, may go, go, it may go beyond 10, and I think the House is willing to pitch, um for as long as it takes today to get the committee stage uh, complete. So uh, mm. once the committee stage is out of the way, uh, people have to understand that committee stage Um, You can speak on an amendment as often as you want and for as long as you want. Um, That changes when you move to report stage. Report stage, you can only speak once on an amendment. And once you've spoken, that's it. You're prevented from speaking again. So I'm fairly confident, Michael, it will Mm. actually uh, complete this week.
4: All right. Uh, And uh, assuming it it does and uh, the bill becomes law for the 1st of January, I I think uh, under the smoothest of transitions into uh, law, it would be the middle of January before the 1st of the terminations take place in this country. Uh, But do you think that's going to happen? Uh, I mean, it seems as though uh, there's a lack of preparedness uh, and that there may be a confusing, if not chaotic situation when we get into January. Uh, We've heard a lot of concerns uh, from senior medics as well as nurses and GPs. And the Coombe Hospital uh, has become the first hospital in the country to say that it will not be ready to provide abortion services from January.
3: Yeah, and I think that's a very fair um, assessment by the Coombe. I, I think um, that you, we're rushing as fast as we can to try and push legislation tr- through. Uh, you know, one heard uh, last week uh, one of our politicians saying, we won because mm. the legislation passed the dial. I think that was an unhelpful comment. And I do think that the, the medics are now coming out and saying, well, hang on a minute, legislation passing is one thing, but the other thing is that we've got to sit down Training has to be provided for GPs, hospitals have to be uh, prepared, um, screening systems uh, have to be put in place. Uh, there's a long way to go yet to get uh, this up and running in the country. And then we have a sizable number of general practitioners, particularly, who have a conscientious objection to um, being involved in any way. Mm. That is going to create its own problems, Michael, uh, particularly where a GP is um, unwilling or um, has a conscientious objection, um, uh, uh, trying to enforce um, them to refer a patient on to somebody who doesn't have a conscientious objection is going to be a huge issue, so it is. I mean, there are no winners in this. The legislation will pass. Mm. The The referendum has passed and the people have spoken. Uh, but there are no winners in this. No woman that I know of will enter this. Um, firstly, they'll enter it alone. Uh, but secondly, uh, they won't enter it in, 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 with any sort of jubilation. This is a crisis situation for any woman I know. So, mm, And uh, do you think
4: that there is the risk of crisis upon crisis for some women who are facing into a, a very anxious Christmas, not knowing if a service that they've now decided they would like to avail of will be available to them in January. In other words, women listening to us this morning who are pregnant, who want to terminate that pregnancy. Uh, and, of course, the clock is ticking and time is of the essence in terms of how these decisions pan out.
3: Yeah, I think for any young woman that's pregnant today, um, uh, who's eight weeks or, you know, seven mm. six seven eight weeks pregnant, uh, is looking at the next fortnight, expecting the 1st of January that the curtain will rise on all of this and that the service will be available in Ireland. Uh, I I hope that um, we can meet the needs of those women. But as you've pointed out yourself and as the College of General Practitioners is pointing out, and the Coombe Hospital is pointing out, I think we're a bit of a distance uh, from being able to provide the service. The Minister says it'll all work out on the day. Um, but you know, it's far from certain at this point in time. The legislation will have passed. Mm. The President will have signed it. there's always the possibility that there will be a court challenge to this
8: as well.
4: And, and how do you see the doctors uh, who don't want to refer patients on? Uh, do you consider them to be conscientious objectors or conscientious obstructors as the Minister put it?
3: Well, it, there is always the possibility that there will be conscientious obstructors. Um It is an extremely emotive issue, Michael. It has been since the 1970s, 1980s. You and I will never be confronted with a pregnancy, and those who are confronted with crisis pregnancies, uh, you know, my my heart goes out to them, so it does. Mm. We've all known people in that situation. But to over-promise and under-deliver at this point in time would be detrimental, I think. And I've been trying to see things the way you've pointed about there at the best, at the very best, uh, there will be a limited service available, I would think, by mid-January. Uh, but I think we're we're a bit of a distance away from uh, having uh, the service available straight away. And as I say, there is always the possibility that uh, somebody will try and refer this to the courts, further mm. delaying it.
4: Okay. All right. Look, we'll leave it there for the moment. Thank you, indeed, uh, for joining us. Uh, as you say, you expect it uh, to conclude through uh, the senator on Thursday of uh, this week. That's independent senator Jared Crockwell. Michael,
7: Michael Reed on, on LMFM. FM.
4: Now let's find out what you've been saying to us. Marie Kearns joins us with some of the calls and text messages that have been coming to us this morning. Good morning to you, Marie.
9: Good morning, Michael. And lots coming in in relation to Brexit. is from Dundalk phoned in and says this is going to be the real test of the EU's loyalty to Ireland. The backstop is now being used as a bargaining tool, as everyone predicted, and there can be no give on this, he says. Jim from Dundalk was also in touch, and Jim says that although he would love a united Ireland, he thinks it could spell disaster for Ireland as it would see a return to the troubles. The backstop needs to be safeguarded. Why is Theresa May now trying to renegotiate it? He feels it's time for the UK to go to the country again. More Sinn Féin doublespeak, says a texter. The provost created havoc to obtain a united Ireland, so why not the Brexit way? Declan feels that Sinn Féin shouldn't even be on discussing this with you this morning, Michael, when they have the opportunity to have their say in Westminster, but they refuse to do so and refuse to take up their seats even at this crucial juncture for Ireland.
4: Okay, I'm sure Declan's very surprised by that, yeah. Mm.
9: <laughs> Another listener, lots coming mm. in. Sean, uh, it seems we are heading back to square one, Michael. Who'd have thought it? Most of us, says Sean. Mm. Why don't the dissenters in the UK Parliament just pull the plug? Why are they still supporting Theresa May if they feel so strongly against this? Mm. Sean wants to okay, know. Yeah. In, another, in any other country uh, she'd be gone. <laughs>
5: okay.
9: <laughs> <laughs> uh, moving then to the discussion on abort- the abortion legislation. Mairead from Drahada phoned in and says, we haven't had abortion in Ireland before so why the need to rush it? She feels it's imperative that the medical profession are confident in what they're doing and that all relevant supports are put in place. The lack of of organisation and preparation, she feels is worrying, and there really needs this needs to be got right. Is what she's saying. Okay. Another listener, if I've been, mm-hmm. uh, your guest is absolutely right. Training has to be provided. It's a very serious procedure. The referendum was won, but the politicians won't be doing themselves or the women of Ireland any favours if this is not done properly.
4: Okay, well, as we were discussing yesterday, uh, it's a a service uh, that, it's planned at least, will be made available at Our Lady of Lords Hospital in Drogheda. uh, Yes. Or maybe the same building under a a different name.
9: That's right, Michael, and I went up to that protest yesterday outside Our Lady of Lords Hospital. It was called at the last minute. I'd say there was about between 30 and 40 people Outside protesting, and I just was getting some views as to why they were there and what they thought.
4: Okay, small turnout, but undoubtedly people had a lot to say.
9: Mayor of Drogheda, Councillor yeah. Frank Godfrey, I see you're part of the protest today. Well,
10: very much so, why wouldn't I be? The Lord's Hospital is synonymous with Drogheda and is part of our heritage. One wonders why a name change. Everybody knows as a lady of Lord's Hospital, and it should remain that way. That's the sentiments I'm getting from the people, and there should be um, a vote on this by the people of Drogheda, not the bureaucrats that's in Dublin deciding this. That seems to be a big bone of contention. It, is, it seems, it seems to be decided with no no consultation. Yeah, but people in the Yeah, there is. There was no consultation as mayor. I learned about it a week ago. I didn't know what was happening. Or not there's a deadline of this Friday at four o'clock to change the name of this hospital as I said, which is a very important place for people here, not only in Drogheda, but in the Northeast. And we're very, very proud of Mother Mary Martin and the legacy that she left here and the, the medical mysteries of Mary.
0: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down.
10: Is the church within the hospital going to go next? Her portrait was taken off in, down in the hospital. I mean, you know, we must protect and preserve what we got, and it's part and parcel of Drawdar's heritage and history. And what we want today, and the message to go out to Minister Harris, the people should have a say in the affairs of this town. The same with the Drawdar Borough Council. Uh, at the stroke of a pen, that was done away with.
9: You're here protesting outside yeah, the hospital absolutely. today.
10: Absolutely. It's a total disgrace. A total an absolute disgrace. Is this all the HSE has to be bothered about? And even how much is this gonna cost? Is it even costed? You're nobody angry, you, I know by you. Nobody is interested in this. We don't want we want the improved services in the hospital. Is this going to improve any services whatsoever? It's not gonna improve anything. Nothing at all. It's Have you connection a connection with the hospital? Of course. I was born here. What in the name of God are they trying to do? Who the hell do they think they are? And then they're going to poll on the the, the staff. The staff! And what about the rest of us who have contributed over many years to build the thing in the first place? It
5: wasn't the HSE. I would just like to ask the HSE and the management of the hospital why? One question, why are they changing the name? that this hospital was paid for by the people of Drogheda and it's always been the name of it and we're just very angry. Mother Mary Martin
11: never differentiated between Muslim or any other religion. All the inpatients were treated the same with respect and with dignity and she did so much for this town of Drogheda with the aid of Cardinal Cushing to build this hospital for Drogheda who did tremendous work all through the years. It's, it is a disgrace for the the HSC to change the name to whatever they're going to call it.
4: Basically, my whole family uh, had business in there in the hospital. It's been there since 1957 or so. Mother Mary Martin and the whole lot. And uh, we've enough things leaving Drogheda without Our Lady of Lourdes name going as well.
9: Our Lady of Lourdes has been here in Drogheda um for so many years and it's been run it's a great hospital and I think there's no need for changing the name at all um, I don't know who is actually looking for it and I think it would be a waste of if, if it's going to cost over 5 million euro what is the point realistically it's an institution here and it's known as the Lourdes or Lady of and everybody knows
11: where to go where to meet where it is and there's absolutely no reason to change it. I'm actually walking today. I'm an employee, and uh, feeling, especially among the local employees, is that it's an absolute disgrace that someone comes in and decides to change the name of the hospital that knows nothing about fraud and knows nothing about the history of the hospital and we just can't understand it.
9: And the employees got the memo on Friday, I believe, or Thursday. Was there any kind of heads up before that, that this was in the offing?
11: Well, I, I can't say this 100%. I don't know, but the talk there is that the only people who seen the thing was management, that the ordinary workers okay. were not informed at all there was a change in the name of the hospital. And the feeling on the ground is very bad the Lord's Hospital, Our Lady of Lords Hospital, is here for the people of Drogheda and the surrounding area so long, and now somebody comes in, some lady gets this big job, and she wants to change the name of the hospital. We just don't understand her.
9: You think that people should at least be consulted?
11: Oh, definitely. If it be- before anything should be done, the people on the staff and the people of Drada should have a vote on it, and the surrounding area, like the Lord's. I, I made some great friends, people from all over the North East. Like, it looks after everybody, right. and uh, everybody should have a vote on it before anything is done.
9: Councillor Paddy Mead, this is something that concerns you.
11: Uh, so there 's a, a number of people here from me today. I think
6: fundamentally look it 's not a massive issue, but to see maybe a million pound or more going to be spent on something silly like this is, is ridiculous and look at I know the world 's gone It is a massive issue though oh with a it, lot of people oh it is. and look the world 's gone very PC, but we get offended by everything. We look at the names of places i 'm from Lobenstown well Loban was a Viking. you could say you could be offended by the Vikings or Celtic names like Rabrand Church, which is my town and Brand was a Celtic term. every name in this country we could get offended. By, but we're going far too PC and that, look, there's tradition here, there's a history here um, and it, it's had its name and, and it served it well. There's no need to be changing it and spending silly money uh, and, and just common sense. I'm not happy at the way they're trying to slowly but surely strip away our identity. You know, this the, the name of this hospital is very uh, very important to the people of Drogheda and to the country as a whole, I feel, and to remove it is... And in the way they're doing it, very underhands, you know, trying to do it in a in a sneaky way. I believe uh, it it doesn't
10: doesn't bode well. There's a bad feeling about it, you know.
4: I, I don't think there's anything in the remit to say that they can change names of hospitals. What are they going to do next? That they're going to change the Irish language as well, so we'll take your identity completely away. Now people have told me that this name is going to be changed or needs to be changed by next Saturday. Well, I personally will go around, if there is a name
10: change, and take it down, and re-put up Our Lady of Lords Hospital here in Drada. This is doing away with our identity completely.
4: Look, I mean, I was born in the local maternity hospital 69 years ago. Mother Mary Martin started the maternity. But listening to some comments from various commentators, you would think that they taught religion in the hospital. There you go. The very strong voices of uh, the people uh, who were protesting outside our Lady of Lourdes Hospital in Drogheda yesterday.
9: That's right, Michael. And they did mention to me that it was only... Uh, organised at the final, you know, very late notice so they were happy with the turnout. Very strong feelings there. Can I go back to one or two of the comments before we finish up just in relation to the abortion legislation. Tony from Candy Loud got in touch yesterday and says isn't it remarkable how in a country that has numerous social problems such as homelessness and a trolley crisis in our hospitals already, that only on this matter of ending the lives of babies this government can pull out all the stops such as extending government and Shannon's sitting times to make sure a self-imposed deadline of January is met. But, of course, they will throw out the usual few beds around Dublin for Christmas and expect a clap on the back.
4: OK, strong thoughts there once again.
9: Yes, and a happy phone call from John yesterday, who just phoned in from NAV and to say, got a su- pleasant surprise on Friday morning when myself and my wife went to the post office to collect our pension. Didn't realise we were going to be getting the Christmas bonus as well, and we walked out with almost 1,000 euros in our hands. Happy days, we were absolutely delighted, says John.
4: Okay, thanks for that, John. Thanks to everybody who has been in touch with us. Thanks, Marie, for that matter. If you'd like to add to what's been said, as always, we'd love to hear from you. And our telephone number is 1850 715 958.
7: Michael, Michael
4: Reed on, on LMFM. Uh, the bomb squad were in Drogheda last night. The Army EOD, together with Gardaí to deal with a, a pipe bomb, or what uh, they describe as a suspect device. Uh, cocaine and speed also uh, being seized uh, in uh, this raid on Marley's Court, and a couple of people are under arrest following on from all of that. Uh, we're joined by Fergus O'Dowd, local Finegale TD, and I, I know we're going to talk about the hospital. a a moment, but perhaps uh, you could uh, tell us uh, what you've been hearing about the latest development, and I I gather it is a development in this ongoing feud, this criminal feud that's taking place in Drogheda.
12: Well, it's just like yourself. I read about the statement in the media. I've read the Garda statement. Uh, I haven't been in touch directly since last night, obviously, with the Garda since this development, but I think like everybody else in the town and in the community, they would very much welcome uh, the fact that the Gardaí have been successful and have uh, got these seizures and obviously they've arrested a number of people. And I think as part of the part of solution to the problem of drugs in our society is obviously increased uh, patrolling by the Gardaí. And obviously, the more resources the Gardaí have, the better and that's what everybody wants. And that's mm-hmm. why we certainly welcome uh, this very significant uh, development overnight.
4: Some people uh, have shown themselves to be fearless, uh, I think, uh, in recent days. Uh, they aren't phased at all by the guard clampdown or the increased guard presence in the town, starting fires and throwing petrol bombs, and by all accounts, uh, it seems, building pipe bombs.
12: Well, again, you know, illegal and criminal activity is something that the Guardi do their very best to prevent and obviously any information, any members of the public might have if they can give it to them, that helps the Guardi in their hugely important task. I think the increased number of Garda on the ground increases the, the, the potential of successful Garda operations and uh, as I said before, Michael, I very much welcome what the Garda are doing mm. and clearly criminality will happen. If somebody's going to break the law, they'll break the law. The penalties are there and obviously the Guardian to catch them. And clearly that's, that's what people want and that's what is happening actually.
4: Yeah, do you think somebody's going to be killed in Drahada?
12: Well, Michael, uh, I think it would be an appalling vista if anybody would lose their life, you know, as yeah. a result of criminal activity. And I do believe that the Guardian are absolutely committed and dedicated to ensuring that that does not happen and I think the more
4: support we can get. But, but we're lucky it hasn't it. happened already. I mean, given that of there's, I that. there's, there's of been I a, at least three attempted murders in the town in recent weeks uh, and uh, very intentional efforts uh, and uh, some strong intentions at that to kill other people. Uh, and uh, then we hear of, of pipe bombs continuing to be built. Uh, it, it continues to be a worrying situation.
12: It does, of course. And as you know, like, I mean, a pipe bomb is they're not that difficult to make if you're absolutely committed to to doing it. So, like, clearly mm. you know, criminality... I'd
4: say I could make one, but I, I wouldn't use one. I'd find it very difficult to use one, and that's what worries me, well, Michael, that, that I, the people I, that we're I, talking I, I, about I, seem to have no difficulty using them.
12: Yeah, but the, the point you know, I, I, I accept that criminality is appalling and evil. Uh, the way the Gardaí are dealing with it is by working with the support of the public, by having increased numbers on the ground, and I believe that that, you know, that, that that they are being successful. That's, that's because these seizures took place. If they weren't being successful, this would never have happened. Mm. And what we would have known about it would probably have been the pipe bomb going off somewhere. Um, but, but clearly, like the law as it stands, uh, like the, there are you know the Guardi have huge powers in terms of the surveillance of criminals, in terms of their capacity to pursue them uh, by new technology. And by keeping, you know, by, by keeping absolutely 100% focus on them. And I praise the guardie for their work and I praise them for their efforts. And clearly, the more help, as I said, Michael, we can give them, the better. I mean, the guardie want to see these people behind bars. They're risking their lives every day to do that. Mm. Every time a guard goes out in the streets, be it in Drada or anywhere else, there's no guarantee to their families that that guard will come home. And that, that's the reality in, 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 uh, of the Garda guard, the guard job. Uh, but I think that by supporting them, as I said, uh, is, is the only way forward. And I welcome again what has happened.
4: Okay, well, we were uh, talking to Anthony Moore, a uh, uh, Fianna Fáil uh, candidate uh, in uh, the local elections the, uh, next year, uh, and he was telling us Uh, about a a protest uh, that he had planned uh, to take place outside of Our Lady of Lourdes Hospital in Drogheda about a a proposed name change. Uh, We just heard Marie speaking to a handful of people outside of uh, the hospital, uh, some of them very animated and very concerned about uh, this uh, change in the name. Uh, And Anthony Murray was asking us on the programme yesterday, where's Fergus O'Dowd in all of this? Subsequent to that, you issued a statement uh, and you're suggesting a compromise in terms of... Well, I didn't hear Anthony's,
12: Anthony's statement. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm sorry Michael I was was busy yesterday morning but uh, I've always had the view uh, and the record will show that when I was asked two years ago a phone call I got from HSE would I support the name change at that time and I said no I wouldn't. I said that I was perfectly happy with the name that is on the hospital uh, and that's that's been my position for some years now and uh, HSE uh, will know that. Um, I think -hmm. the problem here is that the name change has been proposed without any consultation. There is no consultation, as I understand it, in the letter, other than they may be, and who they are, I don't know, picking one of three names. Uh, I think that...
4: It's mm, the people, general manager's intention uh, to change the name yeah. uh, to one of the three names, and well, she's, asked people three, for, yeah. she's asked the staff for their opinion on it. Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah.
12: but I, I don't think that's good enough, Michael. Uh, like, it's... it's uh, obviously... Uh, it, it, uh, I think the public have a very strong view hmm. on it, and particularly the people of Drogheda on the name of the hospital because it was built by the people of Drogheda with the full and they fully hmm. backed uh, Mother Mary Martin and her work. And the yeah, but it, it
4: has a notorious history, doesn't it? Uh, because of the involvement of uh, the was, nuns in the hospital. Of, of,
12: of, well, I think the facts are these: that they, it has been there's been some appalling.
4: Uh, yeah, because it, of the Catholic ethos.
12: Well I think the Catholic ethos isn't there and hasn't been there. But the today. Catholic
4: ethos uh, leaves well, well, a notorious reputation and some people I'm sure would welcome the name change but uh, apart from that yeah, uh, as that, I, that I as I was suggesting yesterday yeah. I I imagine the nuns would want the name changed. Uh, I mean are well,
12: you talking about it for them? That's matter well, for but them,
4: but though, but I, I mean I I mean what are you looking at? I mean when abortion services are introduced in January uh, I I mean could you envisage the Mary Martin abortion ward?
12: Well, Michael, I think the point is, there's two issues here. One is what's on the outside of the hospital. That is the name. And the other is what goes on mm. inside it. And that's what really counts. And the law is that inside all of the 19 maternity hospitals... But if in our, the, uh, Michael, can I finish my mm-hmm. point, please? Uh, all of them, all 19 of them, the law means that, you know, th- that activities can be lawfully carried out there... Uh, and, and whether you're a Catholic or a Protestant or a Hindu or a mm. Jew, or, but it doesn't matter what your religion is, that is the law and everybody is entitled to it. Well, it might, ma- it, to it
4: might matter to the, the likes law. of Bishop, Bishop Kevin Lord. Doran, yeah. who's uh, told uh, people of Catholic yeah, well, faith.
12: I, I don't agree. I don't agree. I yes. don't agree. With but do, do, you, do, you, yeah. do you
4: think he, he wants it done in the name of the Mother of Christ?
12: Well, look, he can
4: That's what Our Lady of Lourdes is, isn't it?
12: No, Michael, I think, you see, again, Again, my point is very simple and it's very clear. On the outside of the hospital, yeah. I like and I value its name. Inside in the hospital, I support all and I campaign for the change. You, you want
4: all. the hospital to be there called no- the Mother of Christ? <laughs> Our Lady of Lourdes.
12: You can put words into my mouth. No, I'm not putting words
4: into your mouth. You're telling me that you like the name of the hospital, Our Lady of Lourdes, which is at odds odds with the Catholic ethos, which is anti-abortion. The Catholic Church, the hierarchy are saying, do not participate in abortions. I would imagine the medical missionaries do not want uh, their hospital to provide abortion services.
12: That's a matter for them. I'm expressing my view. And it is not a Catholic view; it's not a Protestant view. It's a Catholic it's name. My view. I'm talking from my view. But it's
4: a That's Catholic name.
12: But I have no problem. I have no problem. I worked in St Oliver's Community College for many, many years. Mm. You can call that a Catholic name. That was a school that it, 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 every religion was respected in there. It wasn't a Catholic school. If all of the mm. people, if all of the people who presently are up in St Mary's Hospital on the Dublin mm. Road. They don't see that as a Catholic institution. Uh, Michael, we are and have been a Christian country for a long time, and the names of saints are associated. I live in a place called St. Mary's Villas. That doesn't mean I'm a Catholic. It just means that's the name of the road. So I wouldn't read too much into a name but I do like the name and I'm entitled mm. to like that but but, but you're not... And I'm entitled on your programme or anywhere else. Well, I, I like
10: the name. Okay. Uh, <laughs> not, that's,
4: that's and and I we're giving know, you all I the point. space and time in the world. I'm sure people have heard you loud and clear, Ferguson. Yeah. Dowd likes the name. Uh, but what... what, what, what <laughs> oh, I can hear you loud and clear. Okay, uh, but I am I'm 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 trying to case discuss case it with problem. you because I think that there is a conversation to be had. Do you not think that there is a conversation to be had about a, a, an institution that uh, would prefer to deny young girls the HPV vaccine, uh, which is uh, to prevent cervical cancer? Uh, something okay. which we've seen Why in the should, news.
12: Yes. The clock, the clock has moved on. No, it hasn't. Uh, no, well, let me tell you what has actually happened because you don't seem to appreciate the point. Some years ago, the Lord's Hospital... Was taken over by the health board at the time.
4: No, I know that. that
12: no, 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 no. But then, then you should allow yes. me to say it then, mm. because yes, this is where it all started. That was when the state effectively took over the Lord's Hospital, mm. and ever since then, the Lord's Hospital has been the place where the law fully applied, regardless. Of Catholic, Protestant or any other ethical or moral...
4: Regardless of Archbishop Jermot Martin, regardless of Bishop regardless Kevin Dorn, of all of who, who say and that
12: every, of doctors of in
4: hospitals and should not provide abortions. by
12: pine I
4: want to make my point. Ah, yeah, but you can't you, talk ad nauseum. I mean, the, oh, but you, you know, can't we,
12: shout at me ad
4: nauseum. I'm, I'm not shouting know. at you ad nauseum. Well,
12: well, on my phone, the decibel level has gone up from your side.
4: No, I'm no, no, to keep no.
12: This no, the, the technology, technology
4: won't allow that, so that's impossible. Well, Michael,
12: think, yeah. well, then, well, then maybe I'm just imagining. Your <laughs> I think <reaction>. so. <laughs> right, but <well>, let me. <laughs> please <laughs> let me imagine that you've been you've be normal voice,
4: right? Mm, I, am, I, I, I am. I am. I am.
12: I am exceptionally clear on this that the hospital is a state hospital. The writ of the Mm. state runs absolutely... And all of the medical services will be available and have been mm. available that are lawfully allowable in this stage. But do you not there is think... no Catholic ethos okay. in that hospital. OK, not, but do you not think that, that the, mean,
4: the name that represents mean, a Catholic ethos, which says no HPV... But, but, but if I could finish my point, if I, seriously, if I could finish my point, that, that the Catholic ethos that we're talking about says no HPV vaccine, uh, either uh, don't sleep with boys or get cervical cancer. That's the Catholic teaching. No HPV vaccine. Michael. That was said by the Bishop of Watford uh, it, and Lismore, like. right? Uh, it also says no abortions. Abortions are going to be made available in Our Lady of Lords Hospital. Our Lady of Lords Hospital is the place where, instead of giving women birth control, they gave them full hysterectomies.
12: Uh, Michael, I don't disagree with any issue that has been proven against the what happened uh, years ago. When all of those things happened, when the nuns uh, were in charge of the hospital, that is absolutely a fact. That is absolutely fact. And can fact.
4: we not wash our stuff. hands of all of that stuff?
12: But, but, Michael, since the state has taken over the hospital, that is all gone. That's what I'm trying to You don't seem to understand that point.
4: I do. And
12: well, I, well, can I make it in a different way to you? Mm. That, that it is a state run hospital. And I'm saying clearly that that is the case and has been for many years. Mm. I like the name of the hospital. I'm entitled to like it just like I like the name for, of the, for, 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 for the women
4: For the just women like who were.
12: Like that doesn't mean that if you work in, say, St. Bartholomew's Hospital in London, now I know I don't mm. know because it's the names of my head, yeah. that everybody in there. Is a Christian? Of course or not. No,
4: but for the so women I, who were forced to have hysterectomies I, 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 in Our Lady of Lourdes I, 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 Hospital, you're, you're, would you're it not think, be a thing. fitting uh, acknowledgement of what they endured? The women who had some physiotomies in Our Lady of Lords Hospital, of the course. women who were denied birth control in Our Lady of, of Lord's Lord, Hospital of uh, and the other complaints uh, about what re- emanated from the Catholic ethos in that hospital, would it not be fitting to recognise the mistreatment that they received under that Catholic ethos by removing that name and the shackles of
12: the past that's that's absolutely a a, a point of view which you're entitled to hold or anybody's entitled to hold and i'm entitled to hold a different point of view that i absolutely concur with every issue that you've raised as regards what happened in that hospital when it was run by the nuns but i'm also entitled to say and i repeat and believe that the name shouldn't change or as i said in my statement that you can, like there was a difference of opinion over mm. whether the actual Bridge of Peace, or sorry, the the new bridge uh, the, sorry, the Mary
4: bridge the only I, person who calls it that by the way <laughs> <laughs> well I mean at
12: yeah, yeah. that time like mm. about that uh, a campaign led by my brother actually wanted to call it the Byam Valley Bridge mm. and, and the Kenyanese Wisdom uh, wanted to call it the Mary Macalise Bridge and now the county council called it the Mary Macalise Byam Valley Bridge And you're suggesting uh, that
4: the hospital uh, will be I, called I, I, Our Lady I, I, of I, I, Lords, Drogheda's Regional Hospital that there'd be a compromise That be.
12: I don't have a problem with that but what Well that's what
4: really you suggested on. isn't it?
12: Yeah, No no I don't have a problem with that but, but, but I, like, I, like, I like calling it the lures that's the truth uh, but I like what it does I think it's a fantastic hospital, and I think the staff in there are fantastic, okay. and, I think, and I think that consultation is what is needed here with the public, because it's an emotional thing for the people of Loughode. Uh notwithstanding all the bad things and evil things that did happen there, and things that were done to those women, I have the greatest respect for Mother Mary Martin and her history, and I recognise that. and I. You know, I recognise that by wanting it, okay. in my personal view, to continue on the outside with that name.
4: All right, I've got to leave there. Thank you indeed for joining us at this Thank morning. That's on, I... Fine Gael TD for Loud Ferguson out.
7: Michael, Michael
4: Reed, Reed on LMFM. Well, let's uh, hear from uh, Declan Brannock, uh, Finnefall TD for Loud and Junior Spokesperson on North-South Bodies and Cross-Border Cooperation, something that is a very fluid issue at uh, the moment. Uh, good morning to you, Declan. Thanks for joining us. Theresa May is uh, to meet with uh, the Dutch Prime Minister and the German Chancellor today ahead of a uh, meeting of EU leaders at uh, the end of the week. What is there to achieve?
8: Uh, in my view, uh, nothing. We experienced a manic panic Monday. I think today will be a and Tuesday, and I think the result coming out of today will be, uh, as indicated by the EU Commission, uh, they'll facilitate the UK ratification uh, of the treaty, but they will not renegotiate the deal, and ultimately, uh, we, we have 108 days to go to May the 29th. Yeah. Uh, that road is shortening, Uh, and really what the issue is here is lack of leadership in England in fact uh, the person I suppose we've all accused of lack of leadership uh, to date has been Theresa May and what she's trying to show some uh, currently by saying well it's either all Brexit or no Brexit I think the stark reality has got to face uh, the British uh, politicians and probably the electorate because ultimately Mm. uh, it's it's my view that uh, uh, there will be some form of Election or referendum, where the people ultimately would have to have a resay. The, the, the thought in Britain of a no Brexit is beginning to focus the mind. And uh, I- indeed, if, mm. you, if you focus more locally here, Michael, which obviously uh, I see my role as the the the, the, the study that was. Uh, uh, released last uh, Thursday night, I think, or last Friday night, uh, uh, that was done by the UK and Europe in terms of the impl- impl- implications mm. uh, for North South cooperation. Uh, it's phenomenal when you actually see 156 areas that will be detrimentally affected by any form of Brexit, not to talk about uh, a hard Brexit. And, uh, you know, we could focus, for example, on. Uh, the areas, just if I might, for a minute, for example, the implementation bodies, there are many of them, but I suppose that one of the key ones would be, uh, uh, you know, the area of funding uh, that would be administered uh, through the EU programmes body. We've seen 17 uh, billion invested since the start of the peace process, particularly in the border regions, uh, that will be uh, in, in, in detriment. Uh, the whole issue of agriculture, uh, you know, people think of all things on the ground, but our environment, whether it's our running waters, our air pollution, um, health uh, and cooperation, that all of those uh, are going to be seriously impacted uh, in, in, in the event of Brexit. And I know your listeners, mm. uh, I heard somebody say this morning uh, that there were a Bob, uh, uh, board of Brexit, but the reality here is that it's incumbent on us as politicians, and I had Matt, Matt Cardy on earlier, uh, to, to actually... Uh, in latent people, I think people are very aware in in Ireland of the implications, but it's only in very recent times that I think the British are really beginning to realise that they have shot themselves mm. in both feet and that they're they're going to cause not just uh, that proverbial uh, cold that we talk about that we will get when mm. Britain sneeze. The reality is that we're going to be Uh, as both two island nations in serious difficulty. All right, Uh, but
4: let's uh, go back to that point that I hinged on uh, in the interview with Matt Carthy and uh, the issue that Theresa May raised in the House of Commons yesterday that if the United Kingdom exits the European Union without a withdrawal agreement with no deal in other words she's saying that it'll be impossible to live on this island and the upshot of all of that will be a united Ireland is that not a good thing?
8: uh yes and uh i, I like my carty uh, and i think 99% of the population of this country, particularly in the southern part, and certainly close on 50% uh, in the north, would like to see United Ireland. But we have always said, and when I say we, I'm talking about my party, that now is not the time to create that table of division and dissension. That is all cared for in the Good Friday Agreement. And I have to say, I was biting my tongue listening to Matt Carty. Uh, I, as one, went up to help the SDLP to encourage a, a, a yes vote, in the referendum, Sinn Féin were not to be seen. They didn't canvas a door in in the north of Ireland in relation to uh, uh, appealing to people uh, for a remain. They sat on their hands uh, in relation to uh, the the performance uh, in the north over very, very... As John Major said yesterday in his inaugural speech uh, that I attended in in Longford, that uh, over what he considers to be trivial issues uh, compared to what was needed when John Hume and others were around to bring uh, the Good Friday Agreement about. The reality is that the issue of a united Ireland is dealt with in the strand of the Good Friday Agreement. Uh, your listeners will be aware that that is at the behest of the, uh, uh, the, the Northern Secretary of State. And I, for one, who want to see a united Ireland, don't believe that, you know, 1% over 50% uh, creates an atmosphere uh, uh, for a united Ireland. I've always said, and will continue to say it, that it's about unity of thought, unity of purpose, and not unity of land, but rather unity of how we can make this island a better place for our, our young people growing up. I heard Matt again saying, mm. two young children. The reality is that that if the English people want to mobilise those individuals who know what it is to have a united Europe, uh, and 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 realise that, that the the British were sold a pup in the in 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 in, in the election a number uh, of years ago. I said it from the outset. I said, and I still believe Brexit in the form that 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 is even been suggested won't work and that the British will be back to the table uh, looking to rejoin in a very short space of time.
4: OK, but you believe there'll be a, a referendum?
8: Uh, I think that they, there's a mobilisation, particularly of young people and business uh, who have a clear understanding of how small the world uh, is. I think a lot of more older population you know, hinge on this issue of bringing back our sovereignty and mm. you know, uh, unites the the importance of the, the United Kingdom. Uh, that's it's it's about unity of trade and unity of peace and 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 ensuring that the block uh, of Europe, uh, which makes absolutely no sense to be mm. leaving. Uh, UK, you know, we're back. Okay, but
4: it, it, if there is a referendum and they vote to leave again, what then?
8: Well, then we're into a situation of uh, hard Brexit. uh, United Ireland? uh, Well, I I firmly believe that that will focus the minds, particularly of the unionist community, where if we we have a situation where there's 48% tariff uh, in world trade uh, agreements, where a uh, product uh, has a 48% tariff uh, on it, either mm-hmm. coming into the south or going anywhere else, won't be long to bring uh, the agricultural community, who to a large degree a lot of them are unionists in, in the north, to their census in relation to we all like to know what side our bread is buttered mm-hmm. on. And if we if we if we get into a situation of a no Brexit, uh, a, a crash situation. It won't be just the people in the north who will have a problem. I, I, it's anticipated within mm. a four-week period that certain things will come to a standstill in, in Britain. And mm. it has been said from day one you could be in, in, in a situation where actual flights will be grounded. People need to focus yep. and to find a solution. And I believe the solution that Theresa May has achieved is the best one on the table. And it's up to the British, okay. as to the whether they want a referendum or, or a general election, but we have a fixed parliament in England, mm. and uh, I, I believe that uh, if there's a vote of confidence in Theresa May believe it or not, it's probably the only person that has, uh, dare I say it, the balls to at least quite possibly. Uh, mm-hmm. the reality is.
4: Mm-hmm. Okay, well we could be looking at the prospect of electricity generators uh, in the sea, but uh, time will tell, and God knows you'd want a crystal ball to predict it accurately at this stage. Thank you though for joining us uh, this morning as always. Finifall TD for Louth, Declan Bronock is his party spokesperson on North-South Bodies and cross-border cooperation. Now, there's been uh, another local sheep kill in Riverstown. Matthew McGrehan, IFA Rural Development Chairman, joins us once again. Uh, And as I say, it is another kill because you've told us recently of uh, some sheep uh, who have not just been worried, but uh, have died as a result of uh, packing dogs. And uh, this particular kill has happened in an area where there were some kills again last year.
13: That's right, Michael. Thanks for uh, letting me on again to speak about this issue. Uh, Padder Hines in Bana, that's a townland out in uh, Riverstone and Cooley. Pado had a, a flock of sheep, of 50 sheep in the field and they were attacked last night. And there's one of them dead and one of them is going to have to be put down by the vet. And there's two missing. Uh, these sheep w- will be due to lamb from St. Patrick's Day on, so they're, they're well in lamb. And, uh, you know, Paddle rung me this morning in a stressed state, as you can imagine, and as you already said there, Michael, it's just uh, near enough to the same day that, and, and in the very, in, in the neighbouring field, that sheep were killed on your Race last year as well, you know. And you
4: think it's and more than a coincidence, it may be the same dog?
13: Oh, yeah. The, it, it, farmers believe that it is It is the same dogs, you know. And uh, I know Padder Pad- Pad- Hines was a, was a ringing the dog warden there this morning, and the dog warden is coming out. But, uh, you know, I suppose, you know just call on people to look after the dogs you know and, yeah. uh, and they have to realise that if you let a dog out he can do an awful lot of harm in a very short space of time and if you let a dog out for 10 minutes you don't find a half an hour going round and you, you know what I mean Um People are just going to have to be more responsible.
7: All right.
4: And uh, I take it, though, that uh, the owner of the dog or dogs who you believe has been involved in this attack and the attacks last year has been told that that was the case at least last year, uh, but obviously hasn't acted appropriately.
13: Yes, that's what we believe. That's what we believe. Yeah, that's what we believe. And, uh, you know, it's time something happened, you know, that's
4: very, very frustrating uh, and impossible to prove. I, I gather as well.
13: Well, well, the dogs were seen out, you know, uh, you know. But you know, when Paddle Rung this morning, it, you got the stress in his voice, and you know, like the very little we can do, only only it on your radio uh, program, and 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 hopefully the dog warden can do all he can as well. You know, but I'd ask people in the area and farmers in the area now that there, these dogs are out again. And there may be other dogs as well, you know. Mm. So just be be very careful, you know. Yeah,
4: and I hope people will hear you. Uh, we'll come back and talk about it in a little more detail when we have more yeah, time and, on the and program. Just, and here. just,
13: Michael, mm, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. in this area last week, there was another sheep killed that I didn't know about when I was really? talking to you there a few weeks ago as well, you yeah, know. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Below the
4: Tommy you know. Okay, well, it's uh, not something that's happening uh, by accident. Uh, people may not be intentionally allowing their dogs out like that, but the dogs are killing the sheep and they have been told now. Yeah. Matthew, we'll yeah. leave it there for the moment and thank you indeed uh, for joining us. Uh, Matthew McGree, an IFA Rural Development Chairman.
7: Michael, Michael Reed, Reed
4: on, on LMFM. Time now, as is usual, around this time on a Tuesday for our weekly visit to the Garda Crime Desk. As usual, there's a number of incidents Garda investigating locally and perhaps you can assist with those investigations. Garda Nessa Durkin of Drogheda Station joins us for this week's report and we've been hearing this morning about developments in the ongoing feud that's taking place in Drogheda and we will begin on that subject with us today.
14: Yes, good morning Michael. Um we have a, an operation ongoing here um, in and mainly around the Drogheda area. It's called Operation Stratus, where there are two rival organised crime gangs involved in criminal activity. Um, last night, there was a search conducted on Marley's Lane in Drogheda, where there was a quantity of drugs found. Now, during the course of this search, there was what we believe to be a pipe bomb found. Um, now, the EOD were contacted and have dealt with this. However, the scene is still being preserved and a full search is still in progress. Two people are currently in custody uh, they are a male in his fifties and a female in her thirties. Anyone with any information about any of these incidents that are connected with this um, criminal gang, could they contact Drogheda station um, in particular into the incident room on zero four one nine eight seven four two hundred.
4: All right. uh, We uh, have uh, some cable that uh, has been stolen. This is air cable, is it?
14: That's right. Yeah. Um, An incident occurred on the Dublin Road, Dundalk, last Tuesday, the 4th of December. Um, It was uh, air cable worth €10,000 pulled from the underground between uh, Ladywell Square and the Louth County Hospital. So it actually occurred between 10 a.m. and 11 a.m. It can be pinpointed to that time.
4: Somebody knew what they were doing Absolutely. as well. Absolutely. Yeah.
14: Mm-hmm. Um, and it was on that Tuesday last week. So we're requesting anyone that may have been on the Dublin Road and may have dashcam footage um in particular between the hours of 10am and 11am from the Dublin Road in Dundalk could they contact Drot- or sorry, Dundalk Garda Station.
4: Okay, you're going to ask people to cast their minds back to the summer just gone uh, and uh, to July of uh, this year uh, if uh, they were in the Navin area perhaps they have uh, some information about uh, an ongoing investigation.
14: Yeah, there was um, actually a serious assault and yes, it is ju- back to July, the 30th of July in fact. It was a Sunday night, Monday Sunday morning um, where a male was assaulted uh, walking home by a group of four males. There was no interaction. He had never seen them before. Um, he was struck with a bottle on the side of the head um, and he managed to run away and get away from them um, along the railway line. Now, CCTV has been canvassed, but we're looking for anyone who may have witnessed the incident to contact Navin.
4: Okay, and uh, we'll uh, conclude the report this week with some burglaries that occurred in Dundalk.
14: Yeah, there were a number of number of burglaries in Dundalk last week and a quantity of jewellery was stolen from some of these houses. So we're just sort of saying, you know, in relation to um, crime prevention, just remember to lock up, light up. Uh, use your alarm when the house is, is vacant and also when you're at home but just remember you know if, if somebody offers you this property that it is probably stolen from, from somebody else's house who's suffering the consequence of the burglary.
4: All right, and uh, items like jewellery, obviously uh, very uh, attractive uh, to these thieves. Uh, there's a, a number of issues, especially with uh, the big shopping season going into Christmas uh, uh, and uh, there's some opportunistic people out there uh, and uh, some uh, caution advice for people who are either at home and what they leave at home or out shopping for that matter. That's it, yeah.
14: Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so if we can just take care when carrying handbags and those sorts of things, smartphones, tablets, keep them in a safe location. Um, I suppose watch out for pickpockets pick in crowded areas. Um, don't leave your wallet in your back pocket, which is another thing that we see males in particular tend to do. Um, I suppose don't leave your Christmas shopping in view in the car, um, and park your park and lock your car in a secure, well lit area. Uh, keep valuables including bags and coats hidden Um, and I suppose Another one, I suppose that we that we use are so, sort of flippantly throughout there. Mm. If you are out celebrating, please don't drink and drive. Use public transport, organise a taxi or a hackney, or nominate a driver. Um, and from all of us at Drahada Guard Station and guards in general, we hope everyone has a safe and happy Christmas.
4: Okay, right, <laughs> right. Seems early in the year, but uh, <laughs> it's uh, uh, probably a sign of age. Uh, but uh, look, uh, thank you indeed uh, for that, uh, and uh, we'll return to the Garda Crime Desk in around. The the same time on next Tuesday's program. Now that's uh, where we leave you for today. Our time has run out on us once again. Before we go, thanks to Marie Kearns for producing Maggie McGuire for researching and Chris Marie in the control tower. I'm Michael, God we'll see you for our next program tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. right
3: here on LMFM. Good morning, bye
4: bye.
8: The Michael Reed
3: Show Podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now michael at lmfm.ie.